Well, welcome back, folks, to another episode of Murphy's Law Shorts. I'm your host, Chris Murphy. My apologies for the long break. I had some other projects ongoing, and quite honestly, you know, just so much to take in, which leads us into what I'd like to discuss today, the Twitter files. I'm not sure if you're all on Twitter, or if you follow or not, but Elon Musk took over Twitter several months ago, and he was keen to, or at least professed to be, transparent and seek the truth. Well, with that, he handed over thousands of internal documents and communications to a group of investigative journalists, namely Matt Taibbi, Barry Weiss, Michael Schellenberger, and David Zweig. Pronunciation might be off. Well, with the exception of David Zweig, I'm quite aware of the reporting of the other three. What's quite interesting about all these journalists is that they are all lefties. Or at a minimum, they're left-leaning and have written for many leftist magazines or news organizations in the past. Of course, after disclosure of these Twitter files, I'm sure by the White House or by the corporate media, they'll be construed as ultra-mega, far-right extremists. Which seems all you need to do these days to earn that moniker is just tell the truth. Well, not that I totally trust Elon Musk. But what is being done with Twitter in terms of limiting censorship and releasing these files is admirable and something, in my opinion, that must be done. And he deserves credit for that. Of course, I say that as my Twitter account is currently suspended for hateful conduct when all I did was make a logical and rational comment about transgenderism. No hate at all included. But that's another matter. Of course, the release of these files just confirms what many, like myself, have suspected for years. And that is, the government is corrupt and is involved in censoring free speech and violating your rights. Now, I'm not going to go into the specifics about the Twitter files, but just going to hit on the highlights. If you want all the details, uh, the Twitter handles of the journalists will be linked in the show notes, and I implore you to go read them all yourself. They're pretty interesting. I'll be discussing these Twitter files in a series of Murphy's Flaw shorts to ensure they're all clear and concise because they have been released on Twitter in a series of seven or eight, maybe even more um, different releases. And they all handle different things. And so today we're just going to go over the one thing. With that said, it all began with Matt Taibbi making the first release in early December. The gist of the first release was that specific requests were coming in from political parties and individual politicians to take down a tweet or censor an account, etc. These requests came from both the White House and from the Biden team in 2020, as well as other politicians. Although Taibbi does mention the system was not balanced given that Twitter was a leftist organization with nearly 99% of their political donations benefiting the Democrat Party. And the content moderation reflected that bias similarly. The main issue arising from the first release was the censoring of Hunter Biden's laptop story from one of the longest-standing news organizations in America, the New York Post, which has been reporting in America for 221 years. 
Pantaibi says Twitter took extraordinary steps to suppress the story. They marked the content unsafe. They blocked accounts of those that shared it, including the White House press secretary, Kaylee McEnany. The internal fury of emails and text messages ensued as Twitter executives scrambled to get their hands around the story. They would mark it as unsafe, often reserved for pornography. Well, of course, many of the videos and photos contained on the laptop are pornographic in nature, so maybe that warning was fitting. The story was then censored because it was noted as breaking the hacked material policy. Of course, it was well known that the material wasn't hacked. Rather, it was from a laptop that Hunter Biden himself left abandoned at a computer repair shop, which the owner of the repair shop then provided the hard drive to the FBI in 2019. You might wonder what the FBI was doing with this laptop since 2019. The computer repair shop owner recalls a hunter in an altered state of mind when he dropped off the laptop, but also has his signature for the laptop that he left. It's now been proven to be unequivocally his property. This hard drive was later released to Rudy Giuliani and to the New York Post, at which time it was published. This all happened within weeks of the 2020 election, one that many Democrats have responded would have changed their vote to Trump had they known about the story. Some articles even citing 16% of Biden voters would have changed their vote. Election interference, anybody? Now, the bigger part of the story is Democrats advocating in a letter to Twitter for stricter censorship of information and accounts. And then also the FBI's involvement in pitching the story as Russian disinformation. Of course, it's always the Russians. We all know that. This podcast is about free speech and the freedom of press, and a fundamental right to it. This story itself is a direct involvement by the government in censoring a story and individual social media accounts, otherwise stated as government censorship of free speech. It's a direct First Amendment violation. Why this isn't a bigger story and why more people aren't up in arms about this is beyond me. We often hear foreign governments oppressing their people and not allowing free speech, and now here it is happening right on our own soil, and only one group of people seem to be upset or care about it. And yes, you guessed it, it's the MAGA party. You know, those people that are a threat to democracy, they're the ones that are upset by government threatening democracy and your Bill of Rights. I just can't believe we're here and the media is silent, and the people are ignorant to it, which is why I'm doing this podcast, to try to enlighten some people about what's really happening in the country. We all must collectively stand against this. No matter what you think about this Hunter Biden story, the next story might be one you support, and you'll be thankful that you stood up against the suppression of your free speech now. I'd also like to touch on one more thing. People will say, who cares about Hunter Biden? He's not elected, and a father can't be held responsible for the actions of his son. Well, the truth is, those people are right. Hunter Biden's actions don't mean Joe Biden did anything wrong. On its face, that's true. And frankly, nobody really cares about Hunter Biden smoking crack or hiring Chinese or Russian prostitutes or the fact that he's received millions of dollars in payment from a Ukraine energy company for which he has no experience in, but he sits on the board. But... What if Joe Biden was implicated in peddling political influence? 
What if Joe Biden was implicated in taking payments and investments from foreign entities? And what if Joe Biden was compromised due to his actions in foreign countries? Or was he, in fact, the big guy, as implied in several text messages and emails, as well as by a whistleblower, former partner of Hunter Biden, Tony Bobulinski, who unequivocally states that Joe Biden is, in fact, the big guy who's receiving a 10% equity stake in foreign businesses funded by foreign entities. What if Joe Biden is corrupted? What if he is the one guilty of an actual quid pro quo, which they impeached Donald Trump for, for withholding loan guarantees while he was the VP, unless the Ukraine government fired the prosecutor looking into Burisma for corruption, the energy company with his son on the board of directors. And as always, don't take it as hyperbole from me. Listen to Joe Biden himself. Yeah. Um, I remember going over convincing our team or others to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, right, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to the press conference. Said, "No, nah, I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> Got fired, and they put in place someone who was solid. Well, son of a bitch, they fired the prosecutor, the very prosecutor that was investigating Burisma for corruption, the very company that had his son on the board of directors receiving millions of dollars in payments. Son of a bitch. You see, it's not about Hunter Biden. It's all about Joe Biden and whether or not he's corrupted and more importantly, compromised. It would certainly add a little context and clarity to the continuation of and the U.S. funding of the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. And of course, it's also about the government's suppression of free speech and free press, a direct violation of your rights. And also the role of the FBI and who they are actually working for. Could it be some unelected group of officials that some call the administrative or deep state? All good questions. All deserving of an answer. Anyways, more to come on the Twitter files. Stay tuned. That's it for this episode. And until next time, check out our sponsors in the show notes. Like and share our podcast. Tell a friend. And most importantly, stay free.